Hi, I'm Jackson Harden, and today I'm going to be starting my six-part, three-part, excuse me, podcast on the book A Princess Bride. Personally, I thought the book was fantastic. I thought that it was a celebration to all fairy tales that almost anyone of any age can enjoy. However, I do find that there are many things about this book that are aggravating and annoying and in my opinion should have been taken out of the book entirely for the sake of enjoyment. At the beginning of the book, I put it down and thought I wouldn't put it back pick it back up. Then I remembered it was a grid. It's slow, boring, and has nothing to do with the actual story. Don't worry though, because when the book actually starts, you won't want to put it down. After about 30 pages of boring, pointless words, you're thrown into a wonderful world with a surprisingly interesting love story between Wesley, um, between Wesley and Buttercup. Wesley works for Buttercup's father on his farm, and once they realize they were in love, Wesley leaves to find his fortune in America. However, his ship is attacked by the dread pirate Roberts, and he um, and he dies. After hearing this news, Buttercup falls into a deep depression that probably was supposed to be a little bit more dramatic and sad than it ended up being. Because in my experience, I didn't really feel much for her. Unfortunately, in between these two events. Buttercup had tried to be, make herself the most beautiful girl in the entire world for Wesley, so that when she, so that when um, he saw her again, he would be stunned. However, after he died, this plan thoroughly backfired, because this was the same time that Prince Humperdinck, the Prince of Florin, was looking for his new wife. And the second that he took a look at Buttercup, he chose her. So he took her off to live with him inside of his castle, even though they both knew that she did not love him. This was due to the fact that she had sworn to never love again after Wesley's death. Once in the castle, Buttercup went on her daily ride through the forest on her horse named Horse. During the ride, she is confronted by three travelers. After a quick conversation that reveals to the travelers that she is alone, the largest one, a giant from Turkey, threw her off her horse and began to drag her with him as an annoying hunchback silicon barked orders at the giant. Once they took her away, they got to their boat and began sailing before they noticed a strange boat trailing behind them. While they're first concerned about this, the silicon calms them, and they continue. But in this time that the three were bickering, Buttercup had woken up and escaped. She wanted to swim towards land, but once the silicon and the other two um, knew, found out what she was doing, the three of them warned her about the shrieking eels that would kill her instantly and drown and eat her. After this, she decided to get back into the boat before they found her, and they continued to sail right before they found themselves before the cliffs of insanity. 
These were giant cliffs that only few men, that only a few men had ever climbed in the history of their existence. So they chose the giant to climb. The giant was very, very strong. And if there was one thing about him that would never tire, it was his arms. If you gave him an axe and told him to cut down a tree, um, his legs might give out and the axe might break, but his arms would never grow tired. So, with the four tugging around him, he had to carry all of them up. Um, but this was when they realized... This was when they realized that the pilot of the boat that had fallen that had followed behind them uh, that they had dismissed as a threat earlier was still following them up the cliffs of insanity. Once the four reached the top, the silicon cut the rope, but when they went to check, he was still climbing on the side. So they left the Spaniard to deal with him. The Spaniard was a noble swordsman who believed no one deserves to die a cowardly death. He f- um. He was good friends with the other two and appreciated Vizzini very much for giving him the opportunity to kill the man who killed his father. As a child, he grew up in Spain and his father was an amazing sword fighter, or sword maker, excuse me. And his friend, um, and his friend would always have trouble, um, finding, and his friend would always have trouble creating extremely extravagant swords for people who needed them. He always wanted, um, but, so he would come to him for help. And even though his friend got all the credit, his dad, named Domingo, deep down, was the best sword maker in the entire world. One day, a large man, a, a man in a, lar- in a large horse, came to their town and spoke to Domingo. He told him that he found out that he was a secret sword maker who was a legend, who was, the, who was a legend and was the best in the world. After some argument where Domingo tried to um, prove himself innocent from this, uh, from this profession, the large man still, proved, still uh, considered him the fantastic swords maker that he was. So of course, um, when he asked him to make an extremely extravagant sword, the best one that had ever been crafted, he could not deny. Domingo worked for, worked for years. He tried his hardest that he could. He never should have accepted the job. It beat him to his physical point, but mentally, he was happier than he'd ever been. He had never had something this difficult. That um, he had never had to accomplish a task this difficult, while his, while he was still in his profession of sword making. When he was finally finished, and the man came back to um, the man came back to collect his sword, he was disappointed. He was angry. He thought that it wasn't good enough. He still liked it, but again, he still thought it was not good enough. When he went, um, so, instead of giving him the sword, he was mad at him. Uh, but, but he still wanted to accept the sword, of course, because it was still beautiful. But, he was, um, but, Domingo did not want to give him the sword. Domingo knew it was a beautiful sword, legendary, a work of art. And so, he decided to give it to his son. The man was furious, and decided to slide, and decided, um... 
and decided to um, kill him where he stood. Um, Inigo was furious about this, and so he attacked him. The large man easily defeated him, but for, for, for the first 15 seconds, the man was scared. The man knew that this little boy, whose father had just died, had extremely good potential. He held his own for him for a short while before, of course, he was cut down. He wasn't killed, but he did leave him with two scars on his face. After this, Inigo dedicated his life to finding the man who killed his father. And that journey led him to where he was today. But once again, um, so back to the story. Indigo did not believe that he deserved to um, die a cowardly death. So when the two began talking, Inigo realized that he was a rather good man. And so he threw down the rope for him to climb up. Once at the top, although the two liked each other, they knew that they had to fight for one um, one fight to one fought to win and the other fought to continue. And it was a large, great fight full, filled with trickery, strength, and speed. But the man in black had to prevail. He did not kill Inigo, though. He merely tied him up to a tree. Then, after this, he continued after the princess. The, uh, he can, yeah. Once the silicon saw him trailing over the hills, he left the giant to deal with him. The giant was named Fezzik, and he was a good man. Um, as a kid, he was, he was huge. All the kids bullied him for being so large, and nobody was nice to him. So one day, his father and his mother, who were both of normal size, tried to teach him how to fight. However, Fezzik did not like to fight. He did not like to cause people pain. He loved to rhyme, and he loved to learn, and he was a good child. But when his father forced him to, he punched him square in the jaw and broke it. And so, uh, the three and so the two parents decided to take him out of school and put him into a wrestling ring when he was only at the age of nine. He fought professionally, and he was a fantastic fighter. He fought all around. Um, he fought all around town against everybody, and he defeated the champion everywhere. However, he was not happy. His, um, his greatest fearness was to be alone, and that's what his parents threatened to do. Uh, um, his greatest fear was to be alone, and that's what his parents threatened to do to him um, if, he did not, if he did not continue to fight. And so, he did continue, and everyone hated him. He beat every champion in every town, of every city, of every state, of every country. He, nobody could beat him. He was too big, too strong, and too powerful. But everybody still hated him. And this was the same time that his parents had died. Now his worst fear had come true. He was alone, and everyone around him was booing him. He didn't know what to do. So he turned to the circus. He fought in group battles. And when he fought in group battles, people cheered. They were happy for him. They were glad that he won. He would thrash people and beat people, but it was fun to watch, and people enjoyed that. But, of course, he was too dominant. 
After a while, he won every fight. And even though they cheered for him at first, once again, they continued to boo. And there was nothing that he could do about it. So, um, so the circus uh, fired him because he uh, because people stopped coming to his uh, to the circus because they knew who was gonna win. It was always Fezzik. And um, so this leads us back. To, uh, but this was when Vizzini, the hunchback, found him and told him that he was uh, and told him. Um, that he could, he wouldn't let him be alone, and that he had a friend named Inigo, and they would go on tons of journeys together and make lots of money, and nobody would ever boo him again. All they needed to do was kill the man in black, and if that was the only repercussion, then the man in, then Fezzik was glad to, uh, then Fezzik would have been glad to uh, accept. And so back to today, maybe um. Again, Wesley and Fezzik fought, but they could tell that they were both good people. They thrashed and um, they thrashed and hit each other, but considering he hadn't fought a single fight one-on-one in years, he was out of practice. Fezzik was sloppy and slow. He forgot the holds and he forgot the moves. And so, once again, uh, Wesley prevailed. However, just like Inigo, he did not uh, kill him. He merely knocked him out. And so, once again, he considered, he continued after Vizzini. Once he caught up with Vizzini, there was a picnic table set for them. And they, and they continued in a battle of wits against, for the princess. When they won, uh, and of course, Wesley won. Um, and of course, Wesley won. He outsmarted him and made him think something that um, was not true. And so he found Buttercup. He had her again. And that's all he wanted. <sighs> this isn't the end of the story, but this is where I'll have to end this episode of the podcast. I'll see you again soon.